0: for free and every order for a year. Plus get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who
0: I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Let's talk about the R word, retirement. It's going to look a lot different for you and me than it did for our parents and grandparents. And that is a good thing. That means, though, we're going to need to scrub our previous definition and fill it in with a new one, according to our guest, Eric Brotman, Certified Financial Planner and author of the new book and podcast, Don't Retire, Graduate.
2: To me, financial independence at an early age is a spectacular goal, but, right. but being idle is not a spectacular way to spend your life. So, If you can build enough wealth so that work is optional, I believe you're retired even if you're still working. I think retirement is the absence of needing to work, not the absence of of work.
1: You're listening to Millennial Money with award winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado.
0: Ooh, this is a good episode. Thank you for pressing play today. I wish there was a gentler way of putting this, but look, Here's where we're at when it comes for saving for retirement. As Eric says, yo-yo, you're on your own. You're on your own to figure out how much to save, where to save it, and whether you've saved enough. The days of hand-holding for retirement left pretty much with your grandparents, so you gotta figure this out yourself. But not to fear, though. Eric is here to guide us along the way. He shares in this episode the power of your savings. Your nasty friend inflation that works against your savings the magical number you need to save to replace $100,000 of income in today's dollars, and the secrets of the happiest retirees, and so much more. This episode, my friend, is a masterclass on how to build wealth happily so you can retire with financial freedom. On to the episode. I love your new book, Don't Retire, Graduate. And first of all, the, the title caught me. It was just... Very catchy. And I love this idea that retirement in the traditional sense of the word is just plain outdated. And I think for most people listening to this show, they look at their parents or their grandparents and their idea of retirement, and they're thinking, wow, we are so far off, so different in in the generational gap there. How has retirement evolved over the years? How have we gotten to the place now where it just looks so different?
2: Well, I I guess my first question is, how far back do you want to go? Because retirement (laughs) as a concept was created in the 1860s. Um, You and I were not here for that, thankfully. However, um, when it was created, it was created as a way to put older people who were no longer useful out to pasture. I'm not making this up. This is true. Right, right. Um, and And in the early 1900s, it shifted a little bit more where they actually put age bands on it. And essentially, once you were 40 you were beyond your, your peak uh, utility. And by 60, you were were done, you were, you were not even useful by 60. Then you enter social security, you know, then social security is created and it's created in a way that at 62, you could then at that point qualify for benefits. Now, of course it's 62 is still early, but you can get there. Um, And they've extended it to 67 now for, for normal retirement, whatever normal is. And they've an age 70, of course, but The problem is it was created at a point in time where people started working at 18. Most people did not go to college. Most people started their employment at 18 or thereabouts. They worked until they were in their early to mid-60s. They retired with a pension and their Social Security payment, and by 72, they were dead. Hmm. Um, That worked great financially for the government. However, um, we're living a lot longer now. Um, And so, and we're also not hitting the workforce at 18. It might be 22, 23, 25. When we hit the workforce, we are uh, often in enormous debt. Uh, You know, student loans are an abomination and and ultimately, so you don't even start at zero. You start at negative something and it's got commas in it, right? (laughs) Then then you want to retire. These people want to retire when they're 55, at least from the traditional sense, and they could live to be 107.
0: Right, the math just uh, the numbers just don't make sense right it
2: it, it it doesn't work, it's not going to work, and you know, I would argue that retirement has now changed to something where um where it's really uh, to me it's something we should move towards, not something away from. I don't think it's about quitting um your engagement in life. I mean, you're talking about a third of your life and half of your adult life could be spent with daytime television. that's a nightmare,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's beyond a nightmare, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you need more than crossword puzzles and golf courses to to thrive. It's just not enough. You have to have a reason to get out of bed every morning. Or I've seen it: people stop getting out of bed in the morning.
0: Right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's it's really interesting hearing you you talk about it that way because the reality is, so many of us love the idea of stopping working at fifty five or even earlier. 45 40 wh- whatever that number may be i mean most of us just plain don't like working if we if we're being really honest but then the idea of living into your hundreds and all of those years where it's like question mark what are you going to do i guess i'm curious where the the disconnect is is most of us don't like to work so we want to stop working and we feel like and we can't start living our life until we stop working and yet We've got all these years. We got to plan for financially. I mean, is the problem is that most of us just are not in fields of work that really excite us?
2: But that's certainly some of it. But let me let me um, let me share a little secret with you, and that is, working because you want to is completely different than working because you have to. Right. Um, if you remember in school, you were assigned to read a book of some kind in an English class or whatever, and it was a book that was dreadful and you didn't want to read it and you hated to read. <sighs> yeah. Yet, if you picked up something you were really interested in, you could sit and read all day. Mm-hmm. Work is not a whole lot different than that. If you're working because you have to make ends meet and and if you don't get to next Friday's paycheck, you have a problem. Um, you know, if you're working because you have uh, enormous debt or health issues or family you know, drama or all the things that, that can happen – then you're working really for external things rather than for your own enrichment. Mm. So I think this idea and, and you know, you talk about people who want to retire at 55 or 45 or 40 and sort of the fire movement and so forth. To me, financial independence at an early age is a spectacular goal. But, but being idle is not a spectacular way to spend your life. So if you can build enough wealth so that work is optional I believe you're retired, even if you're still working. I think retirement is the absence of needing to work, not the absence of of work. Because if you love, if you're working because you love it, if you're doing consulting or you're doing coaching or mentoring or teaching or any of the things that that you love to do, whatever that is, it's not going to feel like work. You, you might be getting paid for it, but it's not going to feel like toil. You know? Yeah,
0: that's so good. I, I I love that. I love that idea. I love that mindset shift because to me, that's what it really is it's It's thinking about it differently. and I, I want to get to the the concept of financial freedom, but before we get there, so talking about how traditional retirement was set up, particularly in the United States, why hasn't any of that really been changed? Is it because it's so uh, rewarding financially for the government to keep it as is, or you know, why haven't these laws really evolved as uh, our life expectancies have evolved?
2: Well, it's political suicide, you know, any, you know, the the, the third rail for political office is to suggest changes to social security or Medicare, because um, as soon as you do that in a way, even if it's a thoughtful, methodical, reasonable, you know, educated, intelligent way, as soon as you do that, you will scare a segment of the population into making sure you never hold elected office again. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. So it's political suicide. Fixing social security is not difficult unless you're running for office, in which case it's impossible. It's just a math problem, Shannon. This is not a difficult thing. There are ways I right. could fix social security. Give me six months, I'll fix social security. And I'm not running for office ever for any reason. So you, you all have my word. I will never run for office for any we reason. Will not,
0: we will not see your name on a bumper sticker.
2: Uh, cur- well, you might, but it won't be. It won't be for running for office. How's that? Um But my, my point is it is, it is such a, a, um, such a hot button because there was an entire generation of people in the same way that, that a lot of Gen Zs are learning not to make the mistakes millennials made with student loans. There was an entire generation of people who were told you don't have to save your own money. You've got a pension with your company. You've got social security and you'll be fine. You'll live out your lives and it'll be leisure. And the reality is it was true. Because almost 90% of retirement income in that generation, that's, that's now we're going back almost a hundred years, but there was a generation, not quite a hundred, but 90% of retirement income at that point was coming from social security and pensions. Well, pensions have gone away except for some state employees for the most part. And social security is now, uh, you know, to the extent that it exists, it's only existing for 10 or 20% of what it needs to cover for you to live the way you're used to living in most cases. So, it used to be wow. called the three-legged stools. You Remember the three-legged stool?
0: Yeah, The three-legged sure. stool
2: was your pension, your social security, and, and a little bit of personal savings just so you had some extra money. Well, the, that, that's been replaced by a new logo, and I'm going to keep this PG. The new logo is a yo-yo. The yo-yo stands for you're <laughs> on your own, and uh, it, you have to save basically everything for yourself, whether it's in your 401k, because now instead of a pension, you have your own contribution plan. You have to do it yourself. Social security is going to play a role maybe, but politically, it will be incredibly easy to take social security away from folks who are of means to make sure that people with less means have it, that people who are actually saving for their own retirements are, I think a lot of them convinced that social security either won't exist or won't exist for them. Exactly. So uh, I can fix it. Let me, you know, let me add it. We'll fix it. It'll be great, um, and I'll never ever run for office. in fact, I'll probably have to go into hiding, but I could still <laughs> fix it,
0: yeah, right. I love it, and I can imagine the r the r uh, version of that too so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: well I, I didn't want to go there this is this is your your show is i g i'm I'm not going there
0: occasionally we go in that territory, but yes um so so in the book, you talk about these these options that we all have, which we're kind of talking about here, this idea of fully funded retirement or or work until I die approach and we already have established that none of us want necessarily to do work until I die unless it's something that you really love and enjoy and it doesn't feel like work which is really the goal for all of us actually but uh, what what does what does a fully funded retirement look like and how can we this is a very loaded question but how can we begin to take the steps now 20s 30s 40s to make sure we we get there.
2: Two really good questions. The the first question is what is it? And the second question is how do we get there? Um what is it is the simpler of the two questions. So I'll tackle that one first. Um, what is it is it is a spot where you have enough uh resources, enough principal, or enough income or a combination that it will replace essentially a hundred percent of your pre-retirement lifestyle. Gross. We're not talking about net of tax because who knows where tax rates will be in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We don't know what it's going to be next January. So, um, right. so, so rather than think about the net, let's look at the gross. What does it take? If you make $100,000 a year, how much of a nest egg would you need to replace $100,000 a year, assuming you had no other income sources? And the answer is at least $2.5 million. Because $2.5 million, if you were to pull 4% from that, which is an outdated rule of thumb, but I'm going to use it for the easy math. Um, If you have $2.5 million sitting in an account and you're pulling out 4% a year, that's $100,000. If you can grow that money by more than 4% such that you can keep up with inflation, then you have a fully funded retirement. That's a heavy lift. That's not easy.
0: Yeah, that's a big number.
2: It is a big number, except it's not a big number. And, and here's why I say that. If you think about your grandparents or your great grandparents, what they paid for houses, you and I are paying for cars. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, and so that's just the impact of inflation does not necessarily, if, if you had told, I mean, th- think about, it, you remember the, the board game, the game of life with the spinner and all that? Do you ever seen sure, that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you remember at the end of that game, what it took? to go to easy street and that sort of the, 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 where you got to go off to the other side where there was more earning opportunities. Cause you were one of the wealthy. Yeah. It was a million dollars. A million dollars in the 1940s was all the money in the world. Today it's 40 grand a year.
0: And yet we still, we still throw a million dollars around. Like that's the, the benchmark.
2: It, it feels good to see a second comma. But but the reality yeah, is right. other that
0: second commas second commas good yeah, yeah
2: it's great it's better than not having two commas and most of us will never see three commas let's face it that's really ridiculous you know it'd be lovely I'd sign me up but that's not happening so um, we have to rethink what those numbers mean because if you're thirty years old and you're looking ahead to when you're sixty or seventy which is hard to even picture when you're thirty but nonetheless picture yourself forty years from now if inflation is 3%, the value of a dollar will have been cut in a half twice, more than twice. Wow. So that means the $100,000 you live on today, fast forward 40 years, would be the same as an $800,000 income then. That's just inflation.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> the, nu- the numbers, like when you really break down the numbers, I mean, that's when you can really see the power of something like inflation.
2: Right. Well, so that, so that's why if you make hundred thousand dollars today, uh, and I'm using that number cause it's easy math, but, but if you, if you, if you make a hundred thousand dollars today and you want to retire in 20 years, you will need an income somewhere around $200,000 less what you're saving. So here's what I mean by that. And this is how you can control it. And this is how the fire movement happened. It's by cutting expenses, not necessarily by earning more, although there's lots of side hustles out there. Um, the idea is if you make $100,000, but you save $30,000 a year, again, I'm making sure. up math. That means you're only living on 70. So you don't need to replace $100,000 when you retire. You only have to replace the 70.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: It's a much lighter lift because you won't need to make enough money that you can pay your bills and continue to save at the same level. You won't be saving at that point. You'll be using your income and you'll be using your principal, hopefully wisely, to live for the rest of your life comfortably. So establishing a good savings rate, because this is now the part of the second question when he said, how do you start in your 20s, 30s, and 40s? You start by establishing a lifestyle and a savings rate that allows you to live on less than you earn always. And I don't mean just having a few dollars left over at the end of the month is a success. I mean, it it's it not having <laughs> right. it, but it's not a success. A success is saying, you know, I, I bring in $10,000 a month and I save two of them. Right. And you can calculate, we, we can do a hypothetical. We do these with all of our clients. We do hypotheticals that basically show here's what your savings rate needs to be with reasonable uh, assumptions. Here's what you need to put away. It's no different than saying, what do I need? to 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 buy that house or what do i need to send my kid to college or any of the big expenses you can plan for them using reasonable um estimates recognizing that anything estimated will be wrong it'll be wrong you're not going to have inflation be the same every year you're not going to have returns be the same every year hmm. but there is a very simple math and and in the book and actually in the workbook um th- there is a a full exercise where you can walk through and you can figure this out for yourself but there's an exercise to figure out what's you, what's your number. And it's a big number. The younger you are, the bigger the number is going to be because there's so much time.
0: Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news... Well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. EarnIn does. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from earning? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away, and back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I, I want to ask the follow-up question, which I'm, I'm assuming that somebody listening right now is kind of yelling at me to ask. So understanding that your savings rate is obviously very important, very critical to getting that fully funded retirement. How do you do that if you're looking at your numbers, you're looking at your expenses, and the math is just not there? there there's just no, no way you can see to make this work. How do you practically begin to cut things out of your life? How do you even figure out what to cut to get that savings rate in a place that is at least getting you closer to that idea?
2: It's a great question, and I, I hope people were, in fact, yelling at you to ask it. Um, I wasn't yelling, but, but hopefully some people were. The, the short answer is you don't necessarily have to cut. That's only one of the two solutions. One solution is to find a way to cut expenses. The best expenses to cut are things like debt service. So cutting those student loan payments or, or refinancing a mortgage or determining a way so that your cash flow is better. That's a really good way to do it. And and again, there are examples in the book of how to do that. Um, But in the absence of the ability to cut expenses, because let's face it, life's expensive. If you can't cut expenses, there's only one other way to do this, and that's to make more money. And if you're going to make more money, that either means, you know, march into your boss's office and demand a raise. That could go well or possibly not um you could also you could also um you know go back and, and work on certain education that's going to get you to the next level of your career as long as you're not taking on a lot of debt to do it of course um you could also do a side hustle and that's why you know looking back if we go back again let's let's do more history from before your time and mine you know in the 1950s just about every household had one person earning Um, at one spouse earning, it was usually the husband at the time. This was 1950 something, but nonetheless, it was one earner and you fast forward to the eighties and into the nineties. And that's where you had this latchkey kid thing where both parents now had to work just to make ends meet. So now you needed two earners. Fast forward to 2010, 2020. It's not enough for most households to have two earners. They have to have two earners. And at least one of them has an extra job.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah.
2: So, you know, and some of that is because of things we think we need. And there's a keeping up with the Joneses aspect of that. Some of that's behavior, but some of it's also planned obsolescence. We now have bills every month that we have to pay that didn't exist when we were contemplating our future budgets. I I didn't grow up with a a need for Internet bandwidth. (laughs) I didn't. It, you know, it didn't exist. I didn't have a, I didn't even have a cable bill. Now I'm dating myself. But the, the idea was some of the things that we now pay for streaming services or subscriptions or, or software, or just getting a new phone every two years. It, it, these are things that are super expensive that we all either feel we need or actually do need in a lot of ways. I mean, you really can't survive without some of those things professionally.
0: No. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: So, so, so the short answer to your question is to develop a saving, a savings rate that's appropriate. There are only two ways to improve it. One is to reduce expenses. The other is to increase your earnings. And if there are ways to, to, to create wiggle room, sometimes it's around finding ways to pay less taxes. Sometimes it's around finding ways to, um, to get employer matches. I mean, your savings rate includes what your employer puts in for you. So if if you determine that you need a savings rate of 15%, but you're getting a three or four percent contribution of your salary to the 401k in the form of a match or a profit share, well, that counts toward the 15. Yeah. So sometimes it can be taxes, sometimes it can be refinancing debt, sometimes it can be um it, it can be intrafamily loans. There are some families where that is a, a real possibility. In other cases, that's certainly not a possibility, but we're all different. But ultimately, starting that savings rate and starting it early makes a massive difference to the future.
0: I like what you're saying, too, because there's a lot of creativity and flexibility when we're talking about building this this plan for for financial freedom. And it doesn't have to just be one way. And it doesn't have to look the same way for you that it does for me. And I think that's that's really exciting. And I'd love to ask you, you know, what, what does financial freedom look like to you? Like, Why is this such a, uh, a passion of yours to, to help other people achieve their financial freedom?
2: Well, there, first of all, I've been doing this for a very long time. I started my practice in 1994 um, and started the company in 2003. So I have seen a generation, almost a generation and a half of people who have reached that retirement age. I've watched families go through this. I've watched parents and grandparents myself, but I've also watched lots of families and their dynamics. And I, you know, I've sort of discovered the secrets of the happiest retirees and they're important and they're not all math. Okay. And so I watching people get to a certain milestone in their life that they can celebrate and they're thriving and they're happy is the most rewarding thing. I, I can't tell you how, how much, it makes me excited to see when, when clients are able to reach that, that, uh, that gold ring, you know what I mean? And, and get to that point where it's like, I, you know, I've had people call me and say, I've never been happier. This has been the best thing. I, I almost wish I had done it sooner, but man, is this great. The flip side of that though, is I've also had people who um, either lived in a way where they were always in fear of running out of money and they never took the trip and they never did the, the things that they should do during their lifetimes or could do during their lifetimes and they were putting it off and putting it off and then they're not healthy enough to do it or their spouse dies or something goes wrong and there has to be balance. You can't, uh, you can't be a happy human putting away every nickel you make with this idea that someday you'll get to enjoy those nickels. Um, At the same time, you can't live on every dollar you make now and just hope the future will be fine. I mean, there's there's a balance. Right. But it's really rewarding to see it happen right.
0: Don't you feel like that's a little bit where we're kind of stuck in the middle now almost where maybe that balance isn't quite being achieved because I feel like. 20s, 30s, even 40s kind of swung the way of we want the experiences now. We want to live life now, which I think is so great. I mean, that's such a great way to live, to have those experiences. But we also need that balance of, but we still got to do a few things to make sure that we've we've got enough to carry us through the long run as well. And so finding that balance, I think, is really important.
2: You're 100% right. And it's kind of like um, when couples decide to have children when they're young or they decide to wait to have children until they're older. If you think about it, um, the idea of let's wait to have children until we can afford them and let's do all the fun things we want to do in our 20s and 30s now and then we'll have kids versus we're having our kids young while we're young and and able to have fun with them and then, you know, we'll be empty nested early and we'll do all the fun things we want to do. Neither strategy per se is right or wrong, but you'll notice that both of them allow you to have some time where you have a lot of freedom to do things and some time where you have a lot more responsibility. It's just a matter of whether you do it in one order or the other. And the saving for retirement is not a whole lot different. The people who want to play the hardest in their 20s and don't want to save anything will not be the people in their 60s necessarily who are financially independent and are off in Bora Bora. They'll be the ones still at their desk. So there, there is definitely a trade-off. The people who were really, you know, n- nose to the grindstone at their 20s and maybe missed out on a few things will be the ones who are free to do whatever they want when they're 50 or 60. And I think it's a shame when it has to be binary.
0: I think, yeah,
2: it's a continuum. So let's stop going for, you know, your work-life balance doesn't exist. Let's throw work-life balance out the window immediately. There's no such thing. There is no balance. It doesn't work. I believe work-life integration is better. Work-life integration means sometimes you're working and sometimes you're playing and sometimes you're doing a little of both. But, you know, young people have figured out, this generation's figured out it's okay to take a sabbatical. It's okay to take six months between (laughs) gigs. You know, uh, the generations before were like, man, I got to punch this clock every day. I got to get to every Friday to 30 years and I get to watch and a party. Well, now it's, you know, I'm going to take six <laughs> months and I'm going to see the world because I can, and then I'll come back and my, my job will be here or, or a job will be here or my career isn't going anywhere or, Hey, I've got this side hustle. I'm, I'm making money as a, as a ghost writer or something. And I can do that from Thailand while I'm seeing the world.
0: Yeah. it, it It's so funny that you bring that up too, because my parents waited many years to have children and I'm the the youngest. So they were even older when they had me. So my dad's now in his eighties. And just the, you know, we'll drive past, say, a parking lot pre-COVID, uh <clears throat> yeah. at uh say a gym. And he's like, what are these people doing here on a Tuesday midday at a gym? I mean, to him it's just a foreign concept. You go to work, you work from whatever, eight thirty to 530 or whatever that those numbers are. And maybe you even work past that. But why would you even take a midday break to go to the gym? I mean, every time it's like I watch his head just explode. He can't he can't understand it. And it's so interesting to see how how his generation and I mean, he's a workaholic. So it's probably a little, little on the extreme side for him. But he doesn't he still doesn't have that balance. And he's in his 80s. So it, it's crazy.
2: Well, it's crazy to you, in the same way that what you're doing is crazy to him. Um, what I would say is that that the uh, the ability to work from anywhere, when COVID is finally a, a, um, a historical fact, and I, I believe it will be at some point, or it'll be more like the flu, where we get a flu shot every year and it is what it is. Uh, when when we're through with what is really a a a a, a groundbreaking, changing situation. There's going to be a lot of positives that come out of this. And one of them is this idea that it's not necessary to punch a clock from 830 to 530 or to wear a suit or to, yes. you know, there's so much stuff that doesn't matter. You know, we, we have, um, I, I have 21 employees, um, 21 of us at the firm, and three of them are not even anywhere near our office. We have two in Texas and one in Utah. We never would have even considered that five years ago. That would have, that seemed impossible. And now it's like, you're going to grad school and you want to keep working. You're doing a great job. Perfect. Let's make it work. Like there's ways to do this. It also means you can take a job anywhere potentially without having to move.
0: Which is amazing for, for money.
2: (laughs) Sure. Well, I mean, if, if you want to take a job in Albuquerque and you live in St. Louis, that used to mean uprooting and being away from your parents or your, your family or your hobbies or taking your kid out of their school. Now it's well, I'm just on a different time zone. No big deal.
0: Yeah, it's I, I love it. I I think I agree with you. There's going to be so many great things that come out of this really hard time. It may take a little while for the dust to settle, but uh, I think that's definitely one of them. And one of my favorite chapters I really want to talk about uh, is this idea of building what you call a moat around your financial castle. I I think it's so important that. We not only think about growing our money and saving our money and all of these great things, but also how do we protect what we've got? So tell me a little bit about, about these moats. How do I build them or what, what areas am I focused on?
2: Well, you have to think about the big risks in life. And, um, and some of those risks are very obvious. You know, if you're, if, if you're a young parent, there's an obvious risk that if something happens to you, you're in an accident your kid will be, will be orphaned, right? You, so you have life insurance and things that are, that are kind of obvious to us, right? Um, but there are things that are less obvious. The biggest risk most of us face in this crazy world of ours is being sued. So an unbelievable number of people don't have reasonable liability insurance to protect them when a fender bender suddenly has someone saying, I, I, I can't work anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed now, and I, I need to be paid for the rest of my life. It, it, there, there, there are things that are out there that we don't necessarily think about. The biggest ones, the obvious ones, are death, disability, and frankly, divorce. Um, those are the things that hurt us financially the most. But there are others, and one is liability for sure. Um, there are ways to use uh, insurance to protect some of the assets that you have. There's also things that have nothing to do with insurance, things like having the right beneficiary designations, the right asset titling, the right tax structure, the right uh, estate planning documents, things that things that you don't even think about until you must have them when you need them. Think about your moat. um, Think about it in medieval times before you built um, your castle with your tapestries and you protected your family. And the first thing you did was dig a moat, put in a drawbridge. There were like archers and hot lava and alligators and whatever else you could put in there to keep out the invaders. Well, today we have different kinds of invaders. Some of the invaders we have are things that relate to cybersecurity or credit monitoring or identity theft. But it's still the same concept. There's still someone trying to rob you every day of your life. Um, <laughs> and they might be in the Ukraine and they might be online, but they're somehow trying to get you to click the wrong link. And unfortunately, um, these are things you don't think about until they happen to you or someone close to you. So I believe before you start building real significant wealth, it's important to 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 dig the moat around that castle and then build it as, as tall and as big as you want. But it's important to protect what's in it. And that means the people and the stuff, not just one or the other.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to put a lot of crocodiles in my moat.
2: <laughs> you know, crocodiles, here's the thing about crocodiles. It's hard to get them now. They're, they're unionized and they don't yeah, want to work a full day. that's
0: true, right? So
2: you you, you really have to consider uh, diversifying your wildlife.
0: That's true, right? I got I gotta get a little bit more diversity in there. (laughs) Well just
2: just have a bridge a bridge troll. You'll be fine. Okay,
0: perfect. We'll we'll settle on that for sure. Well, your book, Don't Retire or Graduate. It's this collection, which I love of your experience working as a CFP for you know 25 years. If you said, if we had to summarize in say two or three Biggest money lessons. What would they be that you think everybody needs to know?
2: Number one, don't wait. Start. Start planning. Start saving. Start investing. Start reducing debt. Start something. And the first step is inventory. You cannot possibly know where you're going or where you want to be or how to get there until you know where you are. So start by, by putting everything on paper. And if you're in a committed relationship of any type, do it together that's one of your awkward money conversations. I know about that because I heard your your episode, but the 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 fact is, do it together, but take your inventory and start now. Do not wait because every year you wait is a year that will you will miss when it comes to to time value of money. Um, the second thing is to pay yourself first. And there's a whole section on that in the book, but it talks about how important it is. To establish that savings rate and to make that the first bill you pay every month is to yourself, whether it's to your four hundred one k or to your student loan or to your savings account or to some other account, it's more important that you pay yourself before you pay anyone else, or you will run the risk of spending your last dollar every month and not saving anything. Uh, and then, thirdly, I think really has less to do with money and more to do with life, and and that is to have a plan that includes purpose, qualitative things, not just the money, not just the math money in and of itself is not the end game. I mean, gr- having a huge amount of wealth and a, and a boring or miserable life is not my idea of a good time. Um, so there, there, it's real important to have purpose, to have meaning, to, have, um, to create legacy, to create opportunity and to do things that matter to you. And that can be whatever causes or philanthropy or uh, or family or other things that mean something to you. But don't just build a big net worth because you're going to brag about it at the, you know, at the golf club. You know, do something meaningful.
0: I have read and reread Eric's book twice now. It's such a refreshing way to look at retirement and certainly a message I have been bracing for quite a while. Retirement's just going to look different. So we got to know the rules to play by. In my humble opinion, run, <laughs> don't walk to pick up a copy of Don't Retire, Graduate. And here's Eric to tell you how to do so and how you can connect with him.
2: Uh, the book is on Amazon and any place you buy books. And I will tell you and your listeners something very, very funny, which is there's there are two different authors on Amazon uh, with the name Eric Bratman. I'm the one who writes about finance. The other one writes about how to toilet train cats. That is not... I'm not making that up. That is true. And that is not me. I'm not, in fact, a PhD writing picture books with cats on toilets. I did not do that. Um, But no, Amazon.com. You can go to BrotmanMedia.com and that's where you can find our podcast and our publishing. We have some eBooks that are free, one on what the financial uh, planning process is uh, and how to engage in it and how to even find an advisor that might be right for you. One of them is about how to pay less in taxes, and these are free resources at brotmanmedia.com. And if you'd like to check out our our company, um, BFG Financial Advisors is at BFGFA.com, and we'd love to talk to you.
1: Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode,